0: Hello and welcome to the Modern Divorce podcast. I'm your host, Billy Tarasio. I'm the owner of Modern Law, a family law firm in the Phoenix area. I've been a divorce attorney for more than 15 years. I've got four kiddos and I'm divorced myself. And on this podcast, we're gonna cover everything related to divorce, be it legal issues, financial issues, children issues, blended family issues, counseling, mediation, and more. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hi, this is Billy Tarasio from Modern Law, um, and today I am so excited to have with me Eric Gagnon, and this is super exciting. So Eric has recently joined the you know the the team of Modern Law through I Do Over. Modern Law Sister Company, to offer therapeutic services. Because you know if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that I'm a big fan of therapy. I personally have gone through therapy. My kids have gone through therapy. And I think almost every single client needs therapy. So I'm so excited to introduce him. Eric, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing terrific, Billy. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. So I have so many things that I want to talk to you about. But let's start super high level with your background and maybe what brought you to being a therapist?
1: Wow, that's a loaded question. Um, well, I would say probably the first thing that intrigued me about therapy is my mother's a therapist. Um, you know, she was certainly, you know, one of my heroes growing up was my mom. Um, she worked for a local in New Hampshire. She worked for a local uh, community mental health center you know, and there are times as a working mom where she had to bring me to work Mm. and there were times I would kind of sit in the lobby at the community mental health center and I would encounter folks who had, you know, severe mental illness, Mm. uh, people thought they were other people or heard voices or things of that nature. And it almost seemed like, um, almost like Halloween every day. Mm. You know, you met really interesting people who were very different from everyone else in your walk of life. Mm -hmm. Um, And I found that my mother had just an amazing uh, rapport and ability with people Mm -hmm. and she could, you know, she was a problem solver. She was a fixer. She could help people do things. She was a a case manager as well as a therapist. And I just thought if I could in some way bring that to maybe adolescents and families that don't have someone like my mother at home, um, that that would be very valuable. So I would say that's probably what, you know, piqued my interest and I started taking psychology classes even in, in high school just because I found it fascinating. Um, let's see. So I went to college, got out. Um, uh, my initial degree was in uh, anthropology and sociology. Mm. And, um, you know, I found out there wasn't a whole lot of jobs working in anthropology and sociology. <laughs> you know, you get your precious degree and you're like, great, now what? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got my first job at a residential uh group home for adolescents. Mm-hmm. And I found that I had similar attributes to my mother and being able to put people at ease, make people feel comfortable talking about very serious matters, um, mm-hmm. began doing that. And for, you know what? I was moving to other mental health agencies. I've worked, uh, locked psychiatric units. Wow. I've worked, worked residential. I've worked, um, inpatient, outpatient, uh, individual families, couples, My certainly my specialty is addictions. I'm a a licensed substance abuse counselor. Mm -hmm. Um, But I found that certainly you know a lot of that goes hand in hand with depression, Mm -hmm. anxiety. Uh, There's something called comorbidity, Mm -hmm. where roughly 75% of folks who have mental health issues also have substance abuse issues, and vice versa. Wow.
0: Um,
1: So that's just kind of a a little bit of what I've been doing. Um, I've spent the last 21 years working for a large uh, nonprofit companies where we treat disadvantaged inner city youth Mm -hmm. Um, for a long time. That was the best use of my time. And a good way to give back to the community was helping kids who, you know, really suffered from some, some inequities and needed, needed help.
0: So let's talk about that. Um, How is treating adolescents or children different from treating or working with adults?
1: (laughs) Uh, tell you what, it's much more difficult. Working with adults is is very easy by comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, teenagers are, are are often by nature not great at communication. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not always interested in discussing their feelings. They often feel uh, awkward about that. So there's a lot of uh, prying. I have to ask a lot of questions. I have to. I was say it's almost like dentistry, and I'm I'm pulling teeth to get information because mm-hmm. um, they're not really wanting to engage in that for the most part you know, there are a few exceptions that some adolescents want to engage, but for the most part, they don't. Um, And over the years, a lot of my clients were to come see me by uh, coaches, um, school systems, uh, a lot of times due to their acting out, they would be kind of forced into a therapeutic situation. Um, Well, I
0: want to talk about that. So For parents who have um, gone through a divorce or maybe going through a divorce and have teenagers, many times I see very angry teenagers. Um, Should parents force their children to go to therapy?
1: (laughs) Uh, Yes. Uh, In short, that you can't force a child to participate in therapy. But as a parent, I can certainly bring my child to the office of a therapist and say, well, for the next hour, you're going to sit in the, uh, in the office with this person and hopefully get something out of it. And whether you choose to or not, it's totally up to you.
0: Okay. Um, so this is really great information because you have, been, um, you, know, you have been treating adolescents who have been forced into therapy for a lot of years. What does that process typically look like? They show up. They don't want to be there. How does it, how does it work?
1: Well, you're going to think this is strange, but actually I enjoy that that challenge great. Uh, over the years, that's become a lot of fun for me, is getting through your resistance and kind of getting past your idea, preconceptions of what therapy is or or who a therapist is supposed to be. Um, you know, a lot of people consider therapy and they think, you know, somebody who's very aloof and sits in the mirror and just says, you know, how do you feel about that? Mm-hmm. Um, I try to do things a little different. I try and be much more conversational with my clients. Um, for me, it's all patience and building rapport. Mm-hmm. And there, there were adolescents I've worked with over the years that might have taken me three or four months to build even a, a decent rapport with. Mm-hmm. Um, breaking through that is is really something because a lot of times once you do, they're in. They want to come back. They want to see you. They want to talk about things. Even if it's something that they didn't, Anticipate wanting, needing, or benefiting from, mm-hmm. they end up doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, a lot of times it's just kind of breaking down their resistance and getting them to see you as just a person like anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not here to analyze your thoughts or tell you what to do or control your life in any way. Mm-hmm. I always say, you know, I'm going to maybe make a few suggestions and you determine if those suggestions are going to be good for you, beneficial for you, helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and you either choose to try them or not. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. you know therapy is very much a process and it has a lot to do with readiness and willingness to accept that i need some help and i need to learn some new skills mm-hmm. um and unfortunately some folks are you know later later in life by the time they they reach that mm-hmm. but when i mention it's easier to work with adults it's usually because you know someone has had decades to think about things and mm-hmm. and you know they they're coming to you because they want help and they maybe have some Dysfunction in their lives or things that just are, have reached a boiling point um, Whereas adolescents they can ignore a lot of things for a long time um, but, but I enjoy like I said working on breaking down their resistance. I find that very challenging and uh, I enjoy it quite a bit
0: well, and it seems like either either, you know kids and adolescents process what they're experiencing now or it'll play out in their relationships in the future. And one day they'll decide to process it. Is that Correct. something that you see?
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And that has to be everybody's choice. Mm-hmm. Um, there are sessions where I've worked with adolescents and they just utterly refuse to speak, not a word. And we'll sit there sometimes for an hour mm-hmm. and we'll stare at each other, you know, and maybe I'll, will one of the tactics I've used over the years is I'll, I'll play some music Um, that I enjoy, but they probably don't like, Uh, um, I I once had a client who refused to speak with me. So I just put on my phone and I played some Miles Davis and we sat and listened to jazz music for about an hour. Um, this client returned to me the following week and began speaking almost immediately.
0: (laughs) So what I'm hearing is you may also be able to give us parents, um, some tips on getting our teens to open up.
1: Yeah. And I, and I said to this young man, I said, well, clearly you didn't enjoy Miles Davis last week because now you want to talk instead of sit and listen to music. And so we had a good laugh about that. And that's kind of how we started the, the rapport and the relationship. And we began to talk about things. But I found that a lot of my clients that were, quote unquote, forced to come and see me by one person or another ended up enjoying our time together and wanting to come even when their obligation was over. Mm-hmm. So it was about just breaking through the initial ice. That's what.
0: So, and how long does that take? I mean, you said that sometimes it can take months, but on <laughs> average, how long does it take just, just generally for um, an adolescent to connect, engage? And then how long should a parent plan for a child to be in therapy if right. they're dealing with a divorce or another major transition?
1: Right. Well, and I would say it certainly varies uh, in part based on the therapist. Because if you're kind of very set and you're not willing to break out and maybe improvise a little bit, then you could be stuck. Um, You know, I allow a lot of times my clients to guide what they need. This isn't about me. Um, And a lot of times it's about fit and rapport. So I would say if your child has seen a therapist on a few occasions and they haven't built a rapport... um, You know, I would talk to you with your child about, you know, what do you think is holding you back from that? Is there something you dislike about this therapist? Um, Sometimes gender can be an issue. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot of young ladies that would prefer to see a female therapist, Mm -hmm. and that's totally okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I said, it's this isn't about me. It's Mm -hmm. about your comfort and about your fit. And if you're not vibing with your therapist and you don't feel like it's a good match for you, then you're probably not going to engage in the the necessary services. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we have to switch things up, and I've recommended – Colleagues of mine who maybe were younger, mm-hmm. uh, feminine, um, you know, a variety of things, or maybe just had a different style from myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but certainly in terms of, in the, the therapeutic process, you know, I wouldn't want to give a number of sessions or, or months really, because once you engage in therapy, often other issues come up that maybe weren't the presenting concern for coming in. Mm-hmm. And then you go off into other kind of areas of, of exploration. Um, so it can really vary. And divorce can absolutely be traumatic for children.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's about dealing with unprocessed trauma.
0: And what about broken relationships between parents and teens? Is that something that you've seen a lot?
1: Oh, absolutely. That's uh, that's part and parcel for, to doing therapy with adolescents. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I used to be a, a supervisor of other therapists where I worked and I used to tell them, you know, you're going to have a lot of parents come in and say, my child is broken, fix them. And they often don't mention themselves or their relationships uh, in any way, shape or form. And they really lay a lot of it on the adolescent. And then when you maybe sit down with the parents, um, you go, wow, there's some other things going on here that, you know, this isn't. uh, So it's very rare that it's just the child. Right. Right almost always a relational issue regardless of, of what the relationship is uh, it can be with a grandparent and a child there's a lot of grandparents now um, raising children
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, so it's just usually there's a relational issue that's creating the problems mm-hmm.
0: and so do you see parents and children together ever
1: absolutely yes
0: and so yeah what there's is it? that about is that about really helping them develop rapport and new communication or how do you break through those those walls that took years to build up
1: well that's you know that's the thing there'll be occasions where you'd see the adolescent alone there'll be occasions where you'd see the parent alone and then there will be occasions where you'd have everybody together and we you know but it's a matter of um sometimes stability if if a client isn't stable um, they're having suicidal ideation, things of that nature. That's not the time to work on the relational problem. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's about the stability of either the parent or the adolescent or both. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also groundwork that needs to be done on an individual basis, mm-hmm. either with the parent or the child, because you're trying to gain access to, you know, their view of the situation. Mm-hmm. And often you're not going to get a lot of, uh, honest answers from an adolescent if their parent is sitting across from them. It's like I want you to tell me all the things you dislike about your mother, who is sitting across from us. It's probably not going to go very well.
0: I feel so like you, my children tell me all the things they don't like about me.
1: <laughs> well, well, good. So you've uh, you've been able to cut that out of the process.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. <laughs> That's
1: right. That's right. <laughs>
0: Well, Eric, this has been a fantastic chat. And I know that it's so many times when I'm talking to clients and I ask them, like, what is your biggest concern about getting a divorce? So many times they tell me my children. And, you know, they've come to terms with the fact that the relationship may be over with their spouse. They've come to terms with the fact that they've done everything they can to fix that relationship. But there is nothing that 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 is more concerning than will my kids be okay? Um, so we're going to have to do an entire session about how to talk to kids about divorce. But I think for today, this was just great and I really appreciate all your insight and I can't wait to have you back and And we're just going to do this regularly so you can help all of us parents. Does that sound good?
1: Of course I can't, I can't wait. And I just want to thank you again for uh, having me in today.
0: Absolutely. And now Eric, you are available for individ- individual sessions and family sessions and provide this therapy. And so if people want to contact you, all they have to do is reach out to I Do Over or Modern Law. You guys know how to get a hold of me, and we can get you set up with Eric. Thank you so much and have a great day.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate your time.
0: Hi. Thanks so much for listening to the Modern Divorce Podcast. Remember, anything you've heard today or anything you read online is not the replacement for actual consultation with an attorney and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Even if you called in and we spoke to you, you are anonymous and we don't have your details and you have not become a client of Modern Law. However, we would love to speak with you or you should seek out the advice of legal counsel or counseling or any other expert near you. And if you have an idea for a show topic or you need to speak with an attorney in Arizona, you can reach me at info, I-N-F-O, at mymodernlaw.com.